Hey, CK! Wanna hear a one-word horror story? Hmm, doesn't sound so spooky. But go on, delight me. Traffic! Ah! You didn't have to scare me off like that, dude. <laughs> it didn't even need an introduction. Because if you're a Manileño, or even these days a Cebuano, road traffic jams is that one headache that does not need any further explanation. By the way, shout out to our Cebuano listeners out there. Uh, Jonas, isn't it our job to explain things to our dear listeners for them to understand whatever we are rambling about? Well, yeah. Okay, fine. That is true. But, CK, I have a question for you. For sure, when you began being independent, as you entered high school and your parents began letting you go to school on your own, how did you feel about it? I can remember the whole thing giving the feeling of liberty, like a dove flying out and away from a locked cage. Mm-hmm. Very familiar. And what did it feel like in the long run? Oh, it began something you loved from something you dread for every day. The jeepney and bus rides that felt liberating turned into horrible daily experiences that can leave you saying, Not like this again. Can our road transport system ever be fixed? This is Sustainer Rumble the podcast that explores critical issues on sustainable development. Here are your hosts, CK and Jonas. The road transport system is the primary and foremost choice when we talk about transportation. Aside from the proximity, It's the most vast network with literally every paved road being a thoroughfare for vehicles or anything with wheels. What are the available transport modes on our streets and highways? Of course, there are the private vehicles such as cars, trucks, motorcycles, and those that are single passenger modes such as bikes and kick scooters. Then there are the public utility vehicles such as jeepneys and buses that run past active roads and residential areas. Then there are the tricycles and barangays. The jeepneys and uh, the tricycles were adopted and converted from the World War II vehicles used by the Americans before, which are the jeep and the sidecars respectively, when they left them behind. And for more than 70 years, the design hasn't changed much, except for some aesthetics that operators place to make their vehicles stand out. This may be one of the reasons why jeepneys have been culturally tied to the Filipino heritage it stayed very quote-unquote traditional. Durability-wise, God, they're built, like, they're built like trucks. But passenger safety has been evidently really low. The buses, though, have evolved over the years, primarily because the models were manufactured by international brands that cater to the global customer base. We can compare the changes from those minibus-like non-air-conditioned first editions made from pure steel to the enlarged air-conditioned buses made from a combination of plastic and metal composites. There are now also sophisticated electronics, more compartments, 
more comfy seats, among other continuous upgrades. All these sound like a delight service for the riding public in Metro Manila, except that the buses are only about 3% of the total vehicles in EDSA. According to a 2019 report by ADB, Metro Manila cities altogether are the most congested out of all the 278 cities in Asia. This means a very large riding population to serve. However, in comparison to the 251,628,000 daily average car volume on EDSA, buses are only on an average of 13,356 in daily volume. To think that a car can accommodate about 8 to 10 people maximum, including the driver, and a bus can sit 60 people, when the total road space that a bus occupies in terms of length is about 3 cars. That is already a tremendous disparity, especially when the traffic share of cars on EDSA is at 70%. I don't know if you will recall, but about three years ago, NEDA, or the National Planning Agency, ran a survey called Ambition 2040. That again is Robert C. He was an economist who is widely regarded in the international development sector. He has been an avid transport advocate since his retirement. You might have heard of him from our previous episode, which is on mass transportation. And the idea was to ask people what they expected in terms of a better life, you know, in the future. And uh, a very large percentage, about 77% of the respondents to the survey said they would like, they see themselves as owning a car. Because that's how they saw themselves as how having better mobility. But we know, we all know that if everyone decided to own a car or a motorcycle, we would have much, much, much more traffic than what we have today. Because there is no way that our limited roads can carry many more vehicles. People always thought, well, you know, if you have to use public transport, then perhaps you are not so successful. And maybe a gauge of a person's, you know, ability and maybe a gauge of a person's uh, professional success was whether that person could graduate from public transport into using a car. And so this became ingrained in our, in our values, in our culture. And sad to say, it has also created for all of us a lot more traffic, right? With everyone thinking of uh, private car use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we, we should be reminded of this famous quotation of uh, Enrique Peñalosa, Uh, who is the major of uh, mayor of Bogota? He has this saying where, you know, a uh, 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 a developed city is not one where uh, even the poor are able to uh, own cars, but rather where uh, the rich. Uh, Uh, use public transport. So, 
this is where I would say we need to shift our perspectives into that type of framework where uh, whether you are rich or poor, uh, public transport offers you a convenient, reliable, and high-quality service. And if we're able to do that, the Philippines would become, you know, a, a more equal and a more just society. Right now, our public transport systems uh, simply reflect the inequality that we have in our society and the way our roads and our public transport uh, systems operate today it it only highlights you know the differences uh, between rich and poor and we need to correct that as soon as possible and one way to correct that is through our public transport services the growing mindset and prioritization of cars on the road as they multiply over the years have been apparent. As the economy gradually rise in the past decade, the increasing purchasing power of Filipinos plus the more flexible and convenient car loan offering by banks and financial institutions fed this mindset even further. According to Ken Research, outstanding car loans in the Philippines could reach up to 4.7 trillion pesos Holy smokes! Now that is huge. The economic phenomena highly likely impacted how we designed our roads as well. The Department of Public Works and Highways and the Department of Transportation over the years had one thing in mind. Make cars go faster. They did this by endless road widening that left narrowed and even disappeared sidewalks without apparently much consideration for more proper frameworks such as the inclusion of bike lanes, proper curbside parking, and loading and unloading sheds in inner roads, and even newer alternate road networks that could split vehicle throughput per destination. Since the development of Metro Manila, with business districts propping up here and there, we have not progressed much in terms of building more sustainable and future-ready pathways despite the foreseen population and economic growth. This played a huge part in making our roads unsafe too. Road accidents have been jumping year on year. In 2019, about 121,771 road accidents were reported, which is an increase of 4% from the previous year. And what were the most three most accident-prone areas in the metro? EDSA, C5, and Commonwealth where roads are wide and drivers are invited to speed up despite the speed limits. This is one of the negative aspects of having a car-centric design of your city. That is Jed Ugay. He is a transport economist and the chief mobility officer of Automobility PH, which is a transport advocacy group that promotes commuter-oriented or people-oriented approach to solving the transport problems in the Philippines. Because you would, I mean, your planners or your city designers would really cater to smoother flow for vehicles. So they, they want vehicles to facilitate faster or, or move faster. And, you know, faster movement can cause a more dangerous accidents. And also, if we facilitate a smoother movement of vehicles, naturally, demand for vehicle use will also increase. 
right? Because it's faster, right? So if you compare your option A is to commute and wait uh, 45 minutes and you, you still haven't even uh, ridden the the MRT or just bring your car, which you can take maybe. You, you'll experience traffic, but you, you'll, you'll get there uh, in a shorter time. When you're in an urban uh, setting, you don't need more than 30 kilometers per hour because 30 kilometers, I mean, end to end of the EDSA maybe is just 15 kilometers. You'll, you'll get there in less than one hour. But definitely because of the traffic in the Philippines, because uh, a lot of people are bringing their own cars, whenever you can get the chance to to make your travel faster to compensate for the traffic, then you'll do so, right? But if you, ha- if you were experiencing a smooth 30 kilometer per hour trip um, across EDSA or wh- wherever, then it should have been okay. Definitely, uh, car-centric design is not really the way to go. Um, the better way is to uh, make people shift to using public transport or biking or walking whenever possible so that we reduce the number of vehicles, which are really the main cause of, of traffic accidents, to understand that we cannot keep on expanding the road as we have limited urban space. Right? So um, if we expand and expand, then it will just result to just having car lanes everywhere and not having enough for other uses that are more productive. So what is better or more sustainable and inclusive is to plan towards more efficient use of limited space. So even with the current um, road infrastructure that we have, the current number of lanes, I think it should be enough as long as we efficiently utilize them. So for example, Commonwealth can have like 10, 10 lanes per direction. And still, it's still very traffic. And it's also it's already kind of wide with six um, lanes per direction. And so there's a lot of traffic. And then in many other places around the world, even with more lanes than 10 per direction, we still experience traffic. In our current roads, if there's no bike lanes, then cars and bikes would uh, inevitably clash or conflict on the road. But if you had protected bike lanes, then bikes would be protected from cars and also cars would not have the trouble of seeing, you know, um, bikes or on their on their own lane, right? So, so it solves both uh, both parties' problems, and also for better pedestrians, also pedestrian infrastructure, because we see that uh, cars would typically park on sidewalks on the, on and, and these other parts of the the road that now. Uh, pedestrians would need to go to the actual road, which provides, I mean, it's a larger, as uh, uh, they're, they're more prone to accidents if they're walking on the road than if they were a wider sidewalk, right? Yeah, so pedestrian infrastructure is important. Actually, it's the most important, uh, mobility infrastructure because it caters to our first and last mile mode. Even if you bring a car or not, you would use by, uh, walking. Because you need to walk to your car, you need to walk. From the parking to 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 your place of work, for example, or and definitely if you use public transport, you, you do a lot of walking. So everyone uses it; it's free, and um, it's and even now that we need to practice social distancing, wider sidewalks are more important because narrow sidewalks would not be enough for you to practice social distancing, especially in uh, high foot traffic areas.
staying up to date with game-changing solutions that address economic, social, and environmental issues that face us is something that is difficult to achieve. In most cases, you will find global news when you Google sustainable development solutions. If you're looking at a head start in knowing how Filipinos are addressing these challenges, it is difficult to get reliable and fully detailed scoops on the internet. The incredibly special solutions in local communities that are brought by some of the most creative and inventive Filipino minds oftentimes go unnoticed by local and mainstream media. Luckily, we have OffCrowd.com that shines a spotlight on how local entrepreneurs, innovators, leaders, and influencers collectively improve the lives of many. Do check out OffCrowd.com to discover really interesting stories relating to the environment, agriculture, education, energy, and innovation. That is Oscar, Foxtrot, Foxtrot, Charlie, Romeo, Oscar, Whiskey Delta, when you get there, make sure to subscribe to their newsletter. Oh hey there, it's CK, one of your co-hosts. And before we proceed with our topic in this episode further, I would like to give a major shout out to the PPD Show for featuring newbie and up-and-coming podcasters in the Philippines such as us. In the August 3 segment, the Sustainer Rumble team earned a full spot in an episode where we were able to express our advocacy. The Philippine Podcast Directory is rather a great initiative where Pinoy podcasters with so much to impart to the world are given the chance to also speak about their thoughts and capture things that went into them starting their podcasts. Do check it out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Philippine Podcast Directory or look it up on Spotify which goes by the name of The PPD Show. When you're there, follow the show and make sure to listen to some of the podcasters featured in the episodes. There are loads of good stories to hear and content to discover from these brilliant minds such as leadership, sports, mindset, life, sexuality, relationships, mental health, career, and many more. To the guys behind the PPD show, we are grateful. And please, do continue what you do for the community. We can admit that the country's road transport system in metro cities is fundamentally lagging behind. It is as if the people's lifestyles have been surfing through the changing tides, but it stood still along the shore. Imagine how it would take further toll on us if this continues. In 2014, the Japan International Cooperation Agency projected that the economic cost of traffic in Metro Manila can reach up to 6 billion pesos daily by 2030. Either an inaction or a lack of fruitful action is unacceptable. We have seen countless experiments and test implementations in the past years, but you can say that the proposals can be dismissed as quote-unquote spot reduction techniques, as if their issues the issues are purely in silos that can be addressed one by one. Truth to the matter is, it is a string of issues on key areas that needs to be addressed. And on the bright side, we have clearly defined the roots of the, this major problem. And the private sector is getting their hands on this issue with a scientific approach in fixing the overall system from the bottom up. One prevalent organization is Owl Mobility 
which has been very active in talking to private and public offices concerned and has been submitting proposals backed by vast and thorough evidence in the quest for an effective yet efficient implementation. It is a good sign to see that government offices such as DLTR, the MMDA, the LTO, TPWH, and the local government units are in active collaboration to seek solutions right, though there is a need for us to implement them with utmost benefit and minimal potential damages. You will see the implementation of a bus rapid transit program and bike lanes on EDSA. The PUV modernization has been a hot topic in the news for the past five years, for it is a move to replace the old, clunky, and outclassed jeepneys into modern ones that are safe and convenient for all. But the process to replace them has not been that inclusive for operators and drivers. This and the many programs in the pipeline need to have comprehensive yet transparent sources of funding to effectively push the bin in developing the sector. And if there is a way where we can reduce cars on the road and provide better public transportation, it will be instrumental towards the right direction. Under PUV modernization, instead of uh, jeepneys operating, the future vehicle would then be a bus. It's Robert once again. And you know, this could be one example. For ex- in, in one route, you could have maybe 200 jeepneys, but the future mode of uh, transport would be uh, maybe only having 50 buses replacing 200 jeepneys. And here, the different jeepney operators could pool their borrowing capacity and maybe instead of pooling together to buy 200 modern jeepneys, the 200 operators can pull together and buy instead 50 buses. So this is what happened in the Latin American uh, transition. And this is what we could also do today in many cities in the Philippines. It would make our uh, transformation more inclusive. So this is what we need to do in terms of uh, aligning our different programs to our local situations. So we should try to make this process as uh, socially inclusive as possible and with minimal uh, displacement or minimal negative impact on our communities. We have been talking to uh, uh, Congressman Joey Salceda about the financing of these different uh, programs. And one way uh, they were looking at uh, achieving this increase in the equity subsidy is by uh, using the collections from car registration fees. You know, the, they are called... Uh, motor vehicle users charges Mm. so you know the motor vehicle users charges that we have today have not been adjusted for more than 10 years meaning that you know they haven't been adjusted even for inflation (laughs) and so uh if we uh doubled for example the the 
amount of the motor vehicle users tax it could generate quite a bit of money that could help to finance uh, a lot of the PUV modernization. I want to also highlight uh, two other possible sources of revenue, which can also be used by the national government or even by LGUs, uh, by city governments, in terms of financing public transport, because that's always what, what different authorities worry about. If the service contract cannot pay for itself, uh, so where should the subsidy come from? So uh, with that question, uh, one very successful mechanism is this uh, thing called a parking levy. So basically, a parking levy is uh, a tax on uh, non-residential parking spaces in the center of the city. So these would be like the parking spaces in front of McDonald's or the parking spaces inside malls or the parking spaces inside an office building, which are... Uh, for uh, rent. For me, there's uh, no better time to introduce these, what they call uh, travel demand management measures. So with things like uh, congestion charging or even with the parking levy, uh, my view is even in the uh, absence of some uh, improvement in public transport, if we introduced some of these measures, it would already help to alleviate some of the, some of the traffic that we face uh, in a city. Uh, I would say by, uh, if you were able to get like 10% of cars to stay at home instead of, you know, filling the roads, uh, that in itself would make a difference to how people use the cars in our, in our cities. This also involves a proper integration of all transport modes in such a way that whatever the choice of ride for each commuter is, the transport system permits a harmonious connectivity and proper recognition and sharing of vehicle space. After all, Building a 21st century transport network involves a 21st century infrastructure that aside from the emerging notion of futuristic transport that is powered by advanced technologies, it recognizes that some of the best and most efficient ways are simplifying and gunning for what is practical. Vehicle modernization and road frameworks are key steps but are only two parts of the equation. A sustainable system that sees the balance of both private vehicle and public transport use involves designing the system in a way that it provides a safe and nearly frictionless mobility anywhere, whether through major highways or secondary roads. There are two things that we can do. Huh? That is Jed again. First one is to improve actually our pedestrian infrastructure, also biking infrastructure. 
because all public transport trips and actually all trips require walking mile and last mile, right? So, um, so if you can provide better walking, that then it uh, initiates better access to public transport and also for transfers. For example, if you need to transfer from LRT one to MRT three, is it really a good walking uh, infrastructure that you'll experience? And also similarly to from train to bus or bus to bus, bus to jeep, whatever. So walking infrastructure always helps in improving uh, seamless integration of uh, various modes. And uh, biking also, because um, biking infrastructure actually helps because a lot more people, well, especially in other countries, are doing uh, bimodal trips. So that means you commute, but you bring your folding bike or uh, electric kick scooter or whatever. And uh, it always helps to to have uh, better biking infrastructure that's integrated to public transport. So maybe there are bike racks on the station or whatever. We need protected bike lanes. It's really uh, very important, especially now that we're in the pandemic. Uh, other countries have already uh, enhanced their bike lanes. Actually, they, they put up a lot of protected pop-up bike lanes already just for, for COVID-19. And um, we're not doing as much. Although um, some LGUs notably are trying to do uh, their own thing for, for bike uh, bike lanes, so, which is good. But on a national level, it's still lacking. But if you put a protected bike lane everywhere, even just, you know, the major roads, um, you will see more people are would be willing to to use biking so it's just a matter of providing that protected bike lane which is very i think important like non-bikers will definitely try the second one is to actually have seamless connectivity between transport stops and you can do this by better data collection and here actually that beat uh no no not not just beat but cashless fare collection system as a concept helps because cashless fare collection system actually provides you real-time data. It can give you like the location also of where you tapped in and where you tapped out, what time. And most uh, developed countries depend on their cashless fare collection uh, system for the data sets that they need to optimize the routes and to improve the um, the overall um, commuting experience, for example, previously this this route would need three transfers. For example, you need to transfer from one bus to jeep to, to a rail, but we can reduce it to maybe just one transfer or two. You can identify these improvements and uh, optimization using uh, this uh, better real-time data collection. And of course, if you have better transport planning, which... Uh, uh, goes hand in hand. So, each card is definitely convenient and, uh, um, also it's trying to expand to other public transport, uh, modes such as buses, if you've seen. Um, we, we need cashless fare collection transactions now, especially with COVID-19. And, uh, the second one would be P2P buses. Um, it's really, a good transport solution for many people, especially the ones outside Metro Manila um, that want to, to, to enter Metro Manila. Um, and it has good quality uh, buses. 
Next would be, um, we're trying to do the dedicated bus lane on EDSA. I think it's a good uh, direction to, to try, although it still has a lot of improvement. But definitely, it's a step into the right direction because uh, um, we want something like the bus rapid transit that we, we, we see in other uh, cities, in other countries. Uh, that are very successful. So we want to emulate it where we're not designing it well yet, but uh, it's still a good step in the right direction. And uh, Cebu BRT, after, so actually pointing out a lot of good aspects, the Cebu BRT or the bus rapid transit is actually in the works already. So it's just getting delayed a bit for various reasons. But uh, I think that uh, it's very timely and good to have it Hopefully, we, we get it as soon as possible, especially for the Cebuanos. And uh, um, another one would be the route rationalization that uh, the DOTR is trying to do, basically optimizing the routes so we can do some more rerouting uh, that can optimize the, the, the overall transport system. On the next episode of Sustain a Rumble. Road transport is not the only mode of transport that is highly preferred by the commuting public. When you talk about traveling and avoiding delays due to traffic congestion, this mode is likely to be the go-to. These are the transport on rails or the trains. It was perhaps the first long-range land transport system that was built during the first industrial age to transport both people and goods. Today, it operates within metro cities and serving through tall buildings and highways. You may have heard of highly advanced or have seen some cozy or fancy trains in other countries. Like you see in the movies, there are those that sits people well in comfy chairs with tables where they can eat and read. And then there are bars in the connecting cars where they can have some drinks and chat with other passengers. Then there are also those that mimic the design of the bird's beak to reduce drag and go faster. Or those that run on magnetic levitation. Despite all the coolness that those things sound, there are far more important and practical areas that need to be addressed when it comes to an overall inclusive and excellent train service. Tune in to Sustain a Rumble as we explore rail transport in the Philippines' metro cities. Don't forget to follow this show wherever you're listening to this right now. And like our Facebook and Instagram pages and also our community group, which links are found in this episode's description. That is to stay in the loop as we explore these topics and openly discuss them. And please, if you like the show or find it valuable, do tell your friends about it and leave us a review. It matters a lot not just to us, but for society as a whole. Till the next episode.